You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello listeners and welcome to another edition and this week I'm not on my own I am joined by Nick Riley. Hello Nick. Hi Simon. Yeah it's good to be back. <laughs> Excellent. I'm sure everybody will be pleased to know you're here so they don't have to listen to me rambling on on my own. Anyway. Um... <laughs> you should have us both rambling on. Our... <laughs> <laughs> well, rambling on. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Two old geezers rambling on. There we go. Um, well, this week um, was Steve Jobs' 65th birthday. Um, sadly yep. missed Steve. Um, Gosh. The product turned verba. Photoshop has passed 30 years. Um, good grief. There we go. I remember using version yeah. one. Oh dear, oh dear. Um, the Style Writer, for those of us who are old enough to remember the Style Writer printers, uh, that's 29. Lordy, lordy. Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, not so much the Style Writer. The Style Writer 2, uh, when we get into it, that was the, that was the, um, I think that was the Mac inkjet printer that everybody had. That was where, you know, getting your own printer became um, very much a viable um, option. Um, yes, unfortunately, as the years pass by, um, things take you by surprise, don't they? Someone passed me a, a leaflet this morning, um, uh, which was about some organ concerts in a in a local church, and one of them was being given by um, David Saint, who's the organist at St Chad's Cathedral in Birmingham, and uh, it took me back because David gave me lessons when I was at music college, and I suddenly thought, so that would have been oh. Uh, uh, yeah. 1980, <laughs> a long time ago. I have, I have these, I have these horrible moments as well. You know, where people say something to you, and you go, "Yeah, well, I remember using that." You know, what do you mean? Oh, you know, ancient history. It was only, um, it was only like nineteen, um, oh, bugger, thirty odd years ago. <laughs> Oh, yes. oh my God! I'm turning into my father. Oh dear! <laughs> uh, it comes to us all. Um. Well, this week's show is titled "Rampant Speculation" because um, what we're probably going to talk most about, Nick, is the rampant speculation about ARM uh, Macintoshes. Now, I know that's something uh, that's come up over and over, but numerous times. Numerous times, but mostly, you know, in a sort of wildly speculative manner. But it seems to have boiled to the surface this week. And um, it seems to be everywhere. All the tech press seem to be, you know, having a say. And um, I just get the impression that maybe with that level of um, output, I know Ming-Chi Kuo, rumours, um <laughs> Yes, thank you, thank you, Carl. That's that was brilliant. That is Carl's brilliant Ming Chi Kuo uh, segment. I'd love to steal it. Um, <laughs> it's um, I know a lot of it is based on Ming Chi Kuo and what he's you know said, but I just I have to say I feel with that level of output about it, you know, is there a much is there an underlying um, 
bed of of you know bubbling rumors that is making this seem ever more likely i don't know we'll, we'll get into that in a bit i guess um and of course uh you know covid19 is wreaking havoc um not only you know medically um sadly obviously um although tim cook says the chinese appear to be getting on top of it um the problem with that medically appears to be even if the chinese are getting on top of it it's getting out and getting out of control in other areas um yeah yeah bad outbreak in italy which apparently uh the italians have been clamping down on heavily but uh you know it's it's still spreading and that's not good news um in reaction to that um i believe uh, google facebook and microsoft i think let me just check the notes is um where is it yeah google microsoft and facebook have all cancelled um big events and i believe also the gamers developer conference was cancelled as well um yeah i think a lot of the a lot of the big shows a geneva motor show was cancelled apparently really um yeah i know some people are saying that's an overreaction but i i'm not sure i think particularly for big companies like you know like google and microsoft and apple and 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 all these people you know when you're talking about bringing people from all over the world uh, you know and large numbers of people we're not talking about having a gathering of 50 people are we um i suspect caution may be the better part of valor um yeah i think we're all a little bit unsure about about the best things to do at the moment so i think you know we just have to go with those who are i mean presumably they're taking advice about these things and the advice is don't do it so yeah i mean you know the mobile world congress which was cancelled in the end um and of course that's earlier in the year um that kind of died the death of a thousand cuts um as one big player after another dropped out um until in the end they just said well this is no give up we're gonna we're gonna cancel it i think you know the 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 logistics of something like um you know uh a google a uh what, what they call theirs google io isn't it yeah io that's it yeah um yeah. whatever you know where people are coming from all around the world um i think cancelling sooner rather than later is is wise because that means people aren't laying out for because obviously yes. you know people yeah. book flights and hotels and and all sorts of things probably you know a long time in advance um I think if you're going to do it, you know, announce that you're not going to do it sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. I mean, I've heard some people saying that Apple have normally announced the dates for WWDC by now. Um, I can't say that I've checked back to see when they normally announce the dates. Um, but I guess it would be wise of Apple, you know, to hang fire. If they don't announce a date, then if they feel they need to push it back from June to July or August or whatever, or to see what happens, then they can. Then they can do that. Yeah. And um, I think you know, I think um, I think it's true that every, everyone's winging it at the moment because we're all <laughs> no one's quite sure where this is going to go. So no, no, exactly. No, nobody knows um, what's going to happen. And I think you know, I think for the moment, if I was any one of these big companies and you know, you have a, a huge event which involves people coming from all over the world. I think I would be very, very much prone to saying how how much do we need this event to be yes. yeah. this year? Can, you know, sure, it's going to disrupt things. It's going to be 
awkward. It's going to, you know, it's not, it's going to upset people. But on the other hand, I think it's just <laughs> a wise precaution rather than bringing thousands of people from all over the globe together. And let's yes. face it, putting them in close proximity, usually in fairly warm, air-conditioned um, right. buildings. Just bringing them together, that's the, the problem. <laughs> and, and then scattering them all over the world. Um, yeah. Not a good plan. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I saw a program, this is sort of a, a, by the aside, but apparently I, I watched this uh, historical program where they uh, posited that the reason the Spanish flu after the First World War was um, so widespread and so devastating was that it... Um, it broke out in the kind of uh, the camps in northern France where the Allied soldiers were being um, gathered together in order to be shipped back off around the empire. Ah, uh, right. And that basically it started in these they, camps and then... They took it with them. They took it with them. They were putting infected people on troop ships and whatnot and so thus they went back to America and india and you know new zealand and and everywhere thus unfortunately mm-hmm. unwittingly um spreading it around the globe in one big hit um obviously probably uh, saying if, if that if it hadn't happened at that exact time um it might have been a different outcome altogether just a seasonal flu but um there we go yes uh, and of course of course we didn't understand viruses then like no. we do now either no. So. Uh, now, of course, we have a completely different problem in that we have a massively interconnected world where people fly hither and thither. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, perhaps, you know, perhaps uh, some people have said <laughs> that remote working apps are, you know, going to see a huge boon on the back of this. Uh, people like Skype and Zoom and uh that's like because uh, more people are going to be inclined to have their international meetings over the internet rather than actually gathering together. There we go. Maybe so. Maybe so. And perhaps not a bad thing in its own way, you know, for reducing the amount of people flying hither and thither for indeed not yeah. perhaps necessary reasons. Um, there we go. Right. Uh, well, what should we what should we tackle first then after having already tackled one? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's do an Apple story. Uh, this this one's broken. Um, this, I found this on WCCF Tech, who I've never heard of before, but I'm sure it's all over the place. Apple's over-the-air OS recovery solves a huge problem many re- uh, users don't realise needs fixing. Um, and this relates to the fact that there are um, hints in uh, the latest iOS beta uh, that Apple may be uh, preparing to allow you to, you know, wipe and restore your iOS device without having to plug it into a computer first. Um, Mm. hmm. Now, part of the uh, reason, I guess, that this is interesting is um, it would free iOS devices from um, kind of any tie to... uh, you know, desktop computers, laptop computers. Um, yeah. You know, making it. I mean, to a, to a large extent. I mean, it's quite easy to own an iPhone now without owning any other Macs or anything, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so this is this is just a uh, hopefully that. The, well, I suppose it could cut down on visits to the Apple Store if yeah. they can recover stuff remotely, pretty much. Well, you know, it's a kind of if you need to do a full factory reset of your device for whatever reason, yeah. 
you would apparently, allegedly, um, be able to hopefully do so um, without plugging into a into a computer. Um, that that'd be cool. It would be um, obviously not something that most of us need to do very often, um, and hopefully <laughs> not at all, to be honest. But um, has its you know has its uh, there are times when you want to do it, like for example, if you you know wish to wipe a, a, a device you know in order to pass it on to somebody else. Um, but the speculation around this, Nick, is that people are extrapolating from it the possibility of a portless uh, iOS device. Ah, uh, right, because you've got no reason to plug it in. If you've got no reason to have to connect it to your, you know, computer, never mind USB-C or Lightning or what any other debate around um, standard cables, um, they're saying this would allow you to, you know, this would allow Apple to withdraw the port altogether and go purely for, um, you know, an induction-charged device. I still have concerns about that because... How big is um, how big is iOS? What, as in? Um... Well, I'm just thinking if 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 you've got to do this and you've got a limit on your uh, 4G, mm. 3G, 5G, whatever everyone's using. Um, um, yeah, I don't know offhand. I don't know how big it is because that presumably would be a. Le- I mean, presumably that's the way you'd have to do it. Uh, well, no, well, maybe not. Wifi, suppose it I could. St- it could still connect to Wi-Fi, I suppose, but... It depends. Yeah, I guess it would depend. It depends um, what state it's in. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yes. I mean, you could end up in a position... How How would you... Con- you know, if it's completely, um, you know, in the situation where, where you... Um, now, you can go for that weird... You have to do that weird flicky, tappy dance to get into the... Um, not just recovery mode, but the, there's a kind of um, a deeper recovery mode, isn't there, which involves right. doing weird button presses and swipes and hitting, releasing the buttons at exactly the right time. Um, yeah. DFU or something. Yeah, it is. It's a deep, <laughs> yes. you know, deep incantation, which you, luckily, most people don't ever have to worry about. Um, but there we go. That's. It would make it more. Um, it would make it more Mac-like in some ways, wouldn't it? Because I mean. Uh... I can't remember the last time I restored from a, a DVD or a... No. It's all it, it's coming down over the net for a long time. So uh, I suppose it's possible. It depends on how many people need it, well, I suppose. Yeah. Um, because as you say, I mean, they, they're pretty reliable devices anyway. So um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, can see, I can see why Apple would want to do that because I think it's, it's almost certainly definitely time as it were that um ios devices your phones and your ipads were finally cut the cord to uh, yeah yeah to to the to the desktop um I well mean, because they... i mean because we know for a fact that there's a huge number of iphone users who don't own macs because yeah. you can sell that by the sales and there's um, a huge number there's a huge number of uh iphone or ios device users i suspect who don't even own a computer these days a computer no i'm sure that's at right. all of any kind um you know you see from time to time on you know blogs or um in twitter where people say oh well i've got this device and i don't have a computer and you know well, how how did you get out of xyz problem oh well i went round to my brother-in-law's or you know in yes. some cases <laughs> down the library um <clears throat> 
there we are so as i say rampant speculation there is extrapolating uh, the possibility of freeing the uh, ios devices from um computers altogether into um some sky and, and sky yeah and sky blue and uh, ports as well yeah. yeah sky blue thinking is therefore no need to plug it into your computer means no need to have a port um it's a possibility um and again this portless portless ios devices is something which keeps coming to the surface um my own my only issue with that really is 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 the charging you know i'm quite happy to plug a cable into my into my phone um it charges quicker that way for a start um yeah it's not something that really um because i charge overnight every night mm. <laughs> even when it doesn't need it um it's not something I really think about. I just put it down on the charging pad and it just charges it. And it yeah. doesn't really matter how long it takes. It's a little bit like the argument about electric cars. You know, a lot of people really struggle with the limited range of electric cars. But the fact is, if you if it's like a phone and you plug it in every night, if you're able to do that, um, then then it very much becomes a non-question because you you're not going to fill it up because it, it's always full. Well, yeah, you know what I mean? there is there is that, <laughs> and it's I the mean... same sort of question. I mean, my my issue, I guess, is right, my bedside cabinet is not large enough, really. I, I have to kind of perch my phone in a um, sort of on edge, almost in the same way as you put your watch on edge to put, get night. Oh, right, mode. yeah. Um, and then I plug it in. Um, I don't really have room for a charging mat, and um, I'd be worried about charge. I'd be much happier, actually, with um, with a magnetic coupled thing like the watch, actually. That would be. Oh right, yeah. I could live you, with that. You can buy you can buy chargers that are like upright mm. that yeah. hold the phone upright. I guess so, I would so have rather to... than it laying flat. I'm I'm sure you but... probably can. Um, I yeah. I think I'd rather have I'd rather have an Apple Watch like um you know something I don't know it's just me the idea of the magnet snapping it onto the back of the yeah, phone or whatever would would make me feel uh, slightly. Maybe a standing up one would be, yeah, would work. Yeah, I could see that with like a cradle would be um, yeah, doable. I'm sure if they do go portless, I'll live with it. Okay, I'll, I'll adapt. <laughs> yes. Why does anyone need a port? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Ports? What are ports? Um, there we are. Um, Apple also apparently may let uh, users change default apps on iPhones to sat satisfy trust busters according to the Mac Daily News, and I've seen this elsewhere. Um, I think Mac Daily News are probably right about this. If Apple do um, allow people to change the default apps, um, obviously we're mostly talking about Safari and Mail, um, it will be to, uh, you know, avoid antitrust um, concerns. Um, I've never really been bothered by it. I mean... I have to admit, I don't like Apple Mail on um, on the Mac. I've never used it. I've tried it several... Well, I say I've never used it. I've tried it several times. Uh, I tried it when it first came out, couldn't get on with it. Tried it a few years later when they said they'd revamped it, still couldn't get on with it. Um, I don't like it. I just don't. Um, yeah. But um, I've never had a problem with Safari uh, on the Mac. And on iOS, I have never really had any issues with the Mail client. Um no, no, likewise. I, I just get, I just get the impression people are a bit obtuse, in all honesty, <laughs> yeah. mm. and they just want what they haven't got. Yeah. Um, um, I, I mean, I, I, I don't begrudge anyone being able to 
to do this. If this was possible, that's fine. And well, it's perfect. But I think possible. the vast majority of I think vast majority of people will probably still use the default ones anyway. I'm pretty sure but, they would. I think it. I can. It, I, it, I, we just seem to live in an age where. Um, if you can't do something or you're not allowed to do something, then someone somewhere wants it. Well, someone always wants it. But <laughs> I, I, it seems to be the, the in thing to actually want something that you can't have. So yeah, whether, I, whether it's any better or not is, is, is irrelevant. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I doubt it would make any difference to me. Um, I suppose, you know, there are a lot of people who make alternative browsers for iOS. Um, and, and I know there are people who who hate um, Apple Mail with a with a yeah, passion. Yeah, passion. Um, and that's up to them, of course. But um, and I, I use it. You can, you know, you can install another Mail client on iOS. Um, you can, yeah. And you can install another browser. The biggest, I'm not so sure that the mail client is so much of an issue but of course the, the biggest problem with most of those things is if for example you i don't know you want to use uh, firefox for mobile on your ios yeah. device that's fine if you go into firefox and are browsing the web the problem is if somebody sends you a link and you tap it it will open in safari you cannot make it open in um yes firefox. i can quite understand if so if someone wants to use another tool for their main mail or uh, browsing, that that's what you want to use. And so, I mean, I understand the logic of wanting to be able to click on a link and have it open in your desired yeah. program. And I I think that it's probably about time Apple let that one go, to be honest. Um, I doubt it would do any harm to Apple, realistically. Um no, and I, don't I, think, think it would, I, I don't think it would change most people's patterns. I don't think it would change stuff. most people's patterns. And it would satisfy those, you know, the technorati who do want to use some other tool for whatever reason. The biggest risk, I guess, is going to be security. Um, yeah. You, can, you could imagine a host of dodgy, um, you know, privacy-invading browsers springing up on the App Store. Um, and yes, possibly we mail know. clients, you know, because obviously we had that yeah, story we... last week about mail clients that were scraping people's inboxes. Um, That's right. I mean, we all know that Apple like to keep this tight control. And one of the reasons, not all of the reasons, but one of the reasons is for security reasons. Mm. It's to keep the whole thing tightly knit together so that they're protecting our backs, as it were. Yeah. Indeed, but I think, um, plus, you know, there's all this muttering about antitrust. And, of course, people are drawing um, comparisons with the Internet Explorer debacle, which got Microsoft into so much trouble, where they tied Internet Explorer into Windows, and it was almost impossible to use another browser. Um, yes, I thought that was a little unfair on Microsoft at the time as well, but yeah. <laughs> but Salavi. There we are. But, um, you know, who, who can say? Um, there's speculation about that. I I mean, about the only two, I guess the other one is podcasts. That's probably the only other default app that would probably make any difference to me. Because at the moment, if you tap a link to a, if somebody sends you a link to a podcast, it will say, do you want to open this in Apple Podcasts? True. And yep. I wouldn't. But then again, 
if somebody sends me a link rather than tapping it, I would probably hold to get copy and then go and paste it into Overcast. Um, <laughs> yes, likewise. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really minor thing, but there are some people who are really fired up about it. And um, I think it would not do Apple any harm to let that one go, realistically. Um, there we are. Well. We shall see. We shall see. Again, this is all speculation, isn't it? All speculation. Uh, this this one's not speculation. This is apparently uh, fact. Fortune uh, have reported that Apple are losing two veteran executives who were key in producing top devices. We're all doomed. Um, <laughs> except we're not, of course. Um, one uh, one is retiring, um, and the other has announced that he will shortly be retiring as far as i can uh, make out um and apple have got what a hundred vps or something um oh yeah lots you know and i'm <laughs> like any big company all of these people will have groomed their successors or you know um the company will have you know people in waiting to take their their places um yeah or if, or if they're like a lot of other companies it'll be you're going now <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we weren't we expecting that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nick Forlenza, uh, Vice President of Manufacturing Design, has retired, and Duco Pasmuji, a Vice President who worked on operations, is discussing an exit in the near future. Uh, people familiar with the matter, quote unquote. Um, Pasmuji left operations team a year ago and has moved into a role reporting to the head of augmented reality. Um, here we go, yeah. Apple has about 100 vice presidents across the company who helped Tim Cook and the senior executive team run one of the world's most profitable companies. Yeah, well, that, this is fortune, of course. Um, it's ju It just sounds like churn, really, doesn't it? I mean, well, if these people are getting near retirement and they'd like to go, that's... If you're, if you're a vice... If you have worked your way up to vice president or senior vice president... Um, yes. Let's face it. Most you're probably going to be in a position where you can retire if you wish. Well, yes, <laughs> if you wish. And on top of which, you're not likely to be 27 years old, are you? No. Let's face it. You know, the senior management team in companies like Apple tend not to be 20 to 30 years old. Um, when Apple was a young company, yeah, they may well have been. But when you become a global uh, corporation, um, the way things work tend to be the same as every other global corporation. The people at the top are, well, let's say probably over 50. And um, we're just going to, you're just going to keep getting these stories with 100 VPs um, and most of them probably in their 50s and upwards and most of them probably very wealthy. You know, um, when you've had enough and decide you want to retire and go fishing in the Bahamas or whatever it is you wish to do, or maybe simply go off and do something completely different. You know, people do. Um, I don't see that this is anything more than the normal uh, way of things. Natural wastage, as they like to call it. Yeah, um, I don't think I don't think every time they have a change of staff at Apple, we should be highlighting it because no, I mean if somebody it happens, doesn't it? Well, it happens, <laughs> and these two are basically yeah. it's saying. And even though they might be, yeah, even though they might be fairly senior people, um, that that happens in companies as well. Well, it happens um, everywhere all the time. You know, um, I don't think we should read too much into it. <laughs> when Tim Cook says he wants to retire, that might be a story. You know, that I mean? might make the news. Yeah, you know, in. <laughs> You know, um, when Eddie Q or, um, you know, Hair Force One announced their uh, 
intention to step back, then then maybe you've got a story. Um, yeah. A vice president of some division who's been there for 20 years, and you don't get to be vice president of some division unless you've worked on some fairly major project. Uh, I don't, I don't really make much out of that at all. Um, there we are. Uh, and I, I don't know if that will fall in, um, I don't know when that was announced. I don't know if that will fall in February. So I don't know if Bart will have anything to say about that, but I know what he normally says about such Yes, stories. he did, he did, men- he did mention it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. Um, I think he said pretty much the same as we've just said, really. Yeah, it's it's normal. Yeah. It's just it's just, just normal. one of those things. One of those things. Um, the style writer uh, is twenty nine years ago. Um, I, probably before your time on the Mac, isn't it, Nick? The style uh, yes, writer? it is. Oh, it looks a little bit like a sort of inkjet printer. It is an it? inkjet printer. Yes, is that, it what it, was... is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Bef- um, originally, and uh, let me stretch my mind back. Let me go. It looks a little bit like a, like the old cannons used to. I think you'll find that um, several of the style writers were actually manufactured by Canon. Um, ah, right. Uh, the, the, before that, they had an image writer, which was a dot matrix, uh, like a tractor-fed thing. Remember those? Yeah, they oh, I do. Yeah. yeah, it looked like a giant electric typewriter, but without any keys on. Um, I had an image. I had image writer twos. I had several of them, and they were for their time. They were quite good because, um, unlike most dot matrix um, machines, they were 144 dots to the inch. Um, oh, that was quite a high res for those it, days. It was. It was very. You know, a lot of them were sort of 60 to 72, kind of if if that. Um, so it it was capable of printing out quite good uh, images. Hence its name. Um, it was three hundred and ninety nine dollars when when it was launched on the what the style first right, of huh? March. Yeah, yeah the, the style. Oh, it was launched right, on huh? the. It was launched on the first of March. So today, mm. yeah. um, adjusted for inflation, they reckon seven hundred and fifty five dollars. Yeah, probably that would be about right. Um, there was the style right, the image writer. Then there was the image writer two. Um, as I say, which was one hundred and forty four DPI. Quite good printers, but bloody loud. <laughs> <laughs> Like someone firing a machine gun when it was running. Um, it's a little bit, a little bit like when you used to print um, images on dot matrix printers. Yeah, exactly. They used to be very loud as well. Um, the <laughs> so the style writer. Um, there was the original style writer, um, and that was followed by the style writer two, which had a slightly uh, nicer case and um, better paper feeding, which were almost silent. I mean, they literally just sort of went. Um, and were considered amazing quality for the time. And the the Style Writer Two was the printer which, for most Apple users, I think came down to a price where um it was something that most people could justify. Um, yes, and, and it became very much the the you know the home printer that everybody had. Um, and it seems slightly shocking to me that that was nearly thirty years ago. So there we are. Printing, te- printing technology hasn't really changed a huge amount in the last 20 years, has it, really? No. Um, it's, it's perhaps it's perhaps got a little bit more reliable than a little bit more. I mean, having said that, I speak to lots of people who have problems with their printers. Oh, yeah. Um, printers I've are got, still... Um... I've got Hewlett card one, a fairly cheap uh, one that I bought ages ago, and it's just it's been rock solid. I haven't had any problems with it at all. Yeah. 
ink, so. ink, inkjet printing um, can still be troublesome. Uh, one of the things, actually, that I recall, certainly about the Style Writer 2, was that it um, its ink cartridge also contained the print head, which was... Oh, right, okay. Which was a very clever move, because if you, you know, if the damn thing became so clogged up that it wouldn't work... Um, and the advice you could just buy a new one. The advice in those days was to put some warm water in a uh, in a saucer, about two millimeters uh-huh. of warm water in the saucer, and stand your uh, style writer um, cartridge in it with the print head down, oh, and hope that oh, it would right. unclog it. Um, and which often it did, by the way. Um, yeah. But yes, it, it also meant that every time you replaced your ink cartridge, you were getting a new print head, which meant that things went on and on forever. Um, unlike a lot of others where what you find is the print heads fail. And despite them at the time, you know, that you bought the thing being described as user replaceable, um, you find I had a color style writer, um, something that I, you know, lusted after. Um, turned out to be a terrible buy, I have to say. <laughs> it took tiny, tiny little uh, color ink cartridges. Every time you turned it on, it used ink. And uh, whenever you wanted to print something, or one or other seemed to have uh, evaporated or been used up, and then it wouldn't work. Um, and the print heads clogged all the time. And... Uh, Despite the print you know, being described as replaceable, when I tried to uh, purchase one, uh, even Canon said, "No, we don't. We don't have such a thing." So oh, right. It turned out to be a terrible purchase. Uh, there we go. Yeah, it's quite it's quite revealing, you know, um, because I subscribe to um, Instant Ink um, with Hewlett Packard. I get um, I can print so many images a month. It works out cheaper than buying ink cartridges. In all honesty. Yeah. Um, and um, but the thing that's really revealing is that when you get what looks like a normal cartridge from them, because they send them directly to you, uh, but it weighs about 10 times as much, mm. <laughs> you realize how much, how little ink there is in normal ink cartridges. Yeah. Because no. these things are really quite, quite heavy. Yeah. Ink, ink, ink for um, inkjet printers is a notorious, you know, razor blade scam. Um, yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I'd recommend, I'd recommend it to anyone who who prints. Um, even I mean, the most. No, I'd say the most. I regularly print about twenty pages of fairly high quality um, stuff a month for the Church Magazine Masters. Um, but it works out cheaper for me to do that than to buy ink cartridges. And yeah. if you print fairly regularly, then certainly look at instant ink because uh, you don't have to spend a lot on the printer. I think mine cost me 50 quid. Oh, yeah. No, you don't have to spend a lot uh, on printers. And, that, this uh, is always the thing, isn't it? They, it's, the, it's the, as I say, it's the razor handle thing. Give give the guys the razor handle and they'll pay you a fortune in blades. Yes. Yeah. Which, and as long uh, as you're prepared to pay, as long as you're prepared to pay monthly, and as I say, you print you print a reasonable amount a year. It doesn't yeah. have to be a lot, and it's certainly a, worth looking at. If you, yeah, if you do any amount of printing, definitely. I mean, uh, to, to, going back to razor blades, I have a you know I have a personal gripe about that. Is over the years I have collected probably every uh, razor blade handle you know or type of razor blade handle available. You know, yeah. the Gillette, the G two three, the the wobbly ones, the slide on ones. You know, I've got ones that take two or three different types. 
Um, and despite my distaste at uh, buying disposable razors, um, because obviously you're buying disposable razors, I can buy 10 disposable razors for a pound, um, or I can buy five razor blades to fit one of my handles for about 10 pounds. And it's like, I think not. <laughs> sorry. Yes. You know, um, and this is, I, I'm sorry, this is something, the sort of uh, mentality that has changed. Going forward, there we are. Because I don't really yes, like buying absolutely. disposable razors, but I'm not prepared to pay £10 for five blades. Um, there we are. And that's a, that's a personal gripe of mine, that is. Um, yeah. Sorry. And it's, a little <laughs> bit, it's actually quite similar, isn't it, to... I mean, sometimes you do get to a point where you think, actually, it might be just cheaper to buy a new printer when my inkjet runs out. Because mm. <laughs> they're almost... At that point where it costs almost another printer's worth to buy the ink. So. It does. It, it, it really is. For some, I, know yeah, I, had, so. I did go into a supermarket one time when I was uh, buying a, uh, a, you know, a replacement printer or another printer. And there was a guy in there and he was looking at the ink and looking at the printers. And in the end, he picked up a, you know, a printer um, and said, I'm taking this. It comes, it says it's got, a, you know, set of inks in it and it's cheaper than the bloody replacement ink. <laughs> <laughs> went home with another printer and not just a printer it was a printer scanner i mean it was ludicrous really well that's right i mean my my 50 quid one is an all-in-one job it scans and prints and, well i think they yeah. all are now aren't they i mean pretty much they are pretty much certainly yeah. the sort of ones pitched at the you know sub hundred pound home market um there we are um the other thing that's been making doing the rounds, Nick, is this uh, speculation again that um, the EU might attempt to mandate um, user replaceable batteries um, in phones and other similar devices. Um, Fast Company, I've got a link to here, saying uh, four reasons why a removable battery for the iPhone is a horrible idea. Um, and I have to say, I, I basically agree with it. Um, you cannot. There are, whilst I kind of get the point of the right to repair movement, um, there seem to be people who are clinging on to this idea that it should be, you know, it would be great if we had uh, replaceable batteries like we did back in the sort of um, Nokia era. Um, and I just think that's I, terrible. It's a bloody ghastly idea. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not 100 convinced. I agree with all these these comments. So the on the article it says it would make gadgets bulkier. It would hurt battery life. It would get rid of your water resistance because water would get in that way. And it's just, just not necessary anymore. I mean, maybe it's not necessary anymore. It's it's true. <laughs> But I'm not convinced the other ones hold water. I've always thought that about um, replaceable bits. Apple choose not to replace bits, not because they couldn't design them. They've got very clever designers. Oh, yeah. Um, so but this idea, it would make it incredibly bulky. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not 100 convinced. Well, uh, yeah, but, the trouble is, if you look... But um, is, is it a good idea as a whole? Uh, uh, no, I don't think it is. I, I think but, having the... Do you know what I mean? I'm with you on the idea that Actually, the way it is now is probably the best way that it could be. Yeah. Um, but I sometimes I mean, think some of these arguments are a little bit yeah. curious. But one of the one of the things is if you if you uh look online for a picture of a you know, I don't know, an iPhone ten or eleven uh battery, it is a um an in incredibly thin, basically sachet of um, you know, um Yes. Uh, of the lithium uh, ion polymer, um, 
which is, you know, to some extent glued inside the case of the phone. Um, if that was to be a removable object, it would have to be put in a rigid protective case for That's no true. other reason, because lithium, you know, ion polymer is a highly yeah, dangerous material. Um, <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. It would a have lot to do of that. people who are thinking about this sort of removable uh, battery idea are thinking back to the old days when you used to have a thing and it would be like a, a small block and you snap the back of your phone off and you clipped it in. Um, although yeah. I dispute the fact that, you know, in the day they used to go, there's these people, well, back in the day you used to carry two or three batteries and you could swap the batteries. Well, back in the day, your phone battery probably had an active life of about four hours or something. Um, <laughs> yes, I don't ever remember having changed my but, you know, I don't remember anybody, you know, actually ever changing the batteries. The only time I ever changed a battery in a phone of that uh, era was when I had one that refused to continue to take a charge. And I bought a I bought a replacement, which turned out to not last much better, to be honest. Um, my... Yeah, while I, while, while I can absolutely sign up to making Macs so that you can replace their hard drives and their, and their memory, because yeah. I think they ought to be able to do that. Without without making them terribly bulky, definitely, definitely. Um, I have no doubt. It's not, not quite, it's not quite the same on the phone. No, <laughs> um, I, my biggest, um, yeah, my biggest thing about that is, you know, modern batteries last, you know, what twenty four, thirty six hours of way, way more use than the old phones. And oh it, yeah, I mean, usually when I'm charging my phone, and I, I've used it a fair amount during the day. I mean, don't get me on. Wrong, I'm not on it all the while, but quite often it's got 60 to 70% yeah. battery, you know, so, which is quite amazing. Amazing. Um, and yeah, one of my biggest things is that lithium ion polymer battery, you know, they're, they're, have you, if you've ever seen one go off, um, oh yeah, they go off like a firework, don't they? Yeah, it's yeah. a bomb. Um, it, yeah, it, it's not something you want to be messing about with. Um, so if you're going to make them user replaceable, they're going to have to come in a pretty rigid armored case. Um, and yes, some idiot, I and some, so. idiot I, I, some idiot is still going to try and stab it, bend it, break it, or do something equally stupid to it. Um, okay, not... you've talked me around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and realistically, I, I know. Um, you know, people go on about it, but if you the phones in modern batteries last years before they degrade oh, yeah. to the point yeah. they need replacing, and if you're going to replace, you know, you can do it yourself if you really want to. I wouldn't really personally recommend it, but you, it's not difficult to find someone who will replace your battery for you and who knows how to do it and knows what they're doing. Um, you can take, you know, it's not like these th th that your iPhone has a battery in it which is not replaceable at all. You take it to Apple, they put another battery in it. Um, Having said that, that, this just assumes that we want our iPhones to say the same size hmm. and that we, we some people might be prepared to trade off a slightly bulkier device with a rigid battery hmm. um, if they could have the same amount of battery life because they wouldn't want it to go down, would they? Well, that is also the problem, isn't it? You know, they squeeze an enormous amount of battery life into these little sachets. Um I don't, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I personally.
do not see any need for, you know, any of us really to be having takeoff backs with snap in, snap out batteries. It strikes me as a bloody awful yeah. idea. Um, there we are. Uh, some people uh, might so disagree if, with if, me. If you're listening, if you're listening, Apple, this doesn't mean you can't continue innovating. No. Just, <laughs> I, yeah. Um, this, for once, I suspect, is um, something where. I don't think it's the place of um, bureaucracy to be meddling. Um, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I, it's, uh, part it's a technical it, thing. And part of me says, look, if there was actually a market for phones with replaceable, you know, snap-in, snap-out batteries, somebody would be making them, wouldn't they? Somebody actually, would be making you... them. And oh, they would be. They would be. <laughs> and yeah. they're not. Actually, when you look at... When you look in modern iPhones, there isn't actually an awful lot of phone in it, is there? I mean, it's it's huh. mostly battery with a little yeah. with a little bit around the edge. <laughs> it is, you know. Um, there we go. Um, moving on a bit, then. Um, John Gruber of late um, has been sticking the boot into the iPad OS. Um, if anybody who follows John Gruber, um, considering you know how uh, what he's normally considered to be a rampant Apple fanboy, uh, he has really been sticking the boot into uh, particularly multitasking on the iPad. Um, and a site iPad Insight have an opinion piece. I hope Apple ignores John Gruber's rants on the iPad. Um, and although I normally agree with, uh, you know, Mr. Gruber on most points, I have to say I agree with the author of this article because um, John Gruber seems to be saying that they should scrap the whole iPad OS, go back to, you know, the iPad is a giant iPhone and start again. Um, I like the uh, I like the multitasking yeah. capabilities. I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't use it that often. But when I do need it, it's really useful to have. I mean, there's some complaints that, you know, it's not particularly discoverable, it's not particularly intuitive, um, but it's new in my view. I mean, I don't I don't use an iPad. So, um, but from what I've seen of it, yeah, it, it seems it's a new and developing mode, particularly for the iPad. Um, I know you've got slide over and split screen and various modes and drag and drop. Um, but it seems to be, it's a new technology. Give it a chance. I mean, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to know how much the multitasking, um, the new multitasking stuff gets used. But of course, Apple aren't going to tell us that, are they? No, of course they're not. (laughs) Um, in like that. So, you know, I, I have to say, I, I mostly agreed with the author of this piece and, uh, unusually, uh, I find myself at odds with Mr. Gruber on this one. Um, Mm. The talk show this week, interestingly, I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but interestingly, this week on the talk show, John Gruber uh, is talking to uh, Federico Vitici, who is, of course, um, a famous proponent of the iPad. Um, and when oh, right. went, um, oh, he, he started doing, you know, going iPad only years ago, um, mm-hmm. going, you know, to torturous lengths. Uh, originally to make his iPad do everything he wanted it to do, you know, with great amounts of scripting and IT, was it if this, if this, then that, and um, so on. I must I must admit, I did get a little bit frustrated by people who actually want the iPad to be a Mac. Yeah, I think... I, I, just, don't, I just don't get that at all. If you want a Mac, have a Mac. If you want an iPad, have yeah, an iPad. Exactly. And... and- um, Okay, having some multitasking features is useful to make the iPad more useful, 
but don't let's not try and make it into a Mac because it isn't a Mac. I, <laughs> I, I have a feeling here, to be honest, that yes, uh, Mr. Gruber um, wants the iPad to be more like the Mac, and um, no, I think I think he's idea. wrong. I think he's wrong. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I get the impression that uh, John Gruber's probably around our age. The things he says about, you know, the Macs he had when he was in college and so on it would probably pin him at around our age, possibly a few right. years younger. Um, I just get the impression that somehow, much as he likes the iPad, he wants the power features, the multitasking, you know, he wants a more finder-like experience. And uh, I think he's wrong. On that, I think he's completely yeah. you no know, going there, down there the rabbit hole. There are definitely a number of people out there who would really like to have uh, an, uh, a Mac that has a detachable screen that it becomes iPad-like. Hmm. I, I think, think that's th- the truth in the matter. They don't want the iPad to be like the Mac. They actually want something that can be both. Uh, and I'm not sure Apple are ever, ever going to go there. I don't Although, think they are ever going to go there. I, I've I've said things like that before and ended up having to eat my hat about things. So. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, don't listen to me, folks. <laughs> I um I haven't linked them, but I've seen several other articles around the uh, around the web saying things like um you know don't uh you know there's rumours of a, a, a an iPad keyboard with a trackpad um circulating. Um, there, I've seen quite a lot of articles of people saying, you know, please, Apple, don't try and turn the iPad into a Mac. Um, I wonder if uh, here's an interesting would be an interesting statistic: the percentage of people who own an iPad who don't own a Mac. Yeah, because there'll be and, and how many of those would actually like it to be more Mac-like? Because I bet you there aren't many. Because no. <laughs> they probably won't know what Mac-like means I from don't, start. Uh, no, and. <laughs> If they wanted a laptop, they'd have bought a laptop or a Chromebook, you know. Yes. Um, no, yeah. I, I think Steve was right, you know, on this. You've got, you've got your desktops, you've got your laptops, and the iPad is a completely different thing. Um, it's not designed to work like the Mac. It's designed to work with touch. Um, you know, all right, now with the pros, with the pencil or whatever. I think that's the right road to go. I really do. Um, if you want... A Mac, get a Mac, really. Um, I I don't doubt there are a lot of people, I say a lot, a vociferous minority of people who would like a Mac OS based tablet, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah, um, you watch you watch you watch it later this year, Apple will announce the Mac Pro Pad. <laughs> no, they won't. No, they won't. I think just the spices. <laughs> I, yeah, I think um if uh, this might seem like heresy, but if that's what you want, I suggest you go and look at the Surface range from Microsoft um, because they have taken a completely different tack to the iPad, and that is possibly why they're one of the few competitors that is actually making any difference. You know, yeah. we all know that Android tablets are basically nowhere. The only Android tablets that seem to have any, uh, you know, standing in the market are Amazon Fire tablets. And those are sold for almost certainly a loss because you can buy one for 50 quid. Um, yeah. And that's a limited experience to some extent. You, you know, you don't have access to the full um, Google Play Store. You can hack it to do so if you want. Um, but that's aimed really very specifically as a consumption device. It's aimed to, you know, get you to buy stuff from Amazon, watch stuff on Amazon, you know, 
when you oh, read yeah. books Very and movies, so. right? That has a market. There is a distinct market for the Fire Range. Then there's the iPad, and then there's a bunch of other tablets which might technically make up more of the market, but none of which have any significant standing, and all of which seem to be mm. either making a loss or losing share. And yeah. Microsoft have taken a different approach with the Surface, and they have gone for a tablet which is much more based around the desktop um, metaphor. You know, they're even making one, aren't they? They're building Windows X specifically for tablets, folding devices. Um, yes, they're pretty convinced, aren't they, that, that that's the way to go. But um, I think I don't think their market share is huge. I for those devices, but there are people who like them. I mean, each to their own. I think the Surface, the Surface, I think is particularly making, um, where it's making headways in, you know, in the uh, enterprise market. Yeah, I can um, understand that. And it, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying you can't use an iPad for that, but the iPad is that was never its concept. I don't, I don't see that being its concept. It's like um, last, was it last week or the week before? I mentioned the Doco. Um, which allows you to put your iPad Pro into what is effectively the lid of, of a MacBook and have a, a MacBook body. Um, yeah. If that's the way you want to go, but it's very much what I, for me, it's like I don't get that. The only the only reason I can see to be attaching a keyboard to an iPad is for extended typing, um, because obviously typing on the glass is pretty horrible. Um, yeah, but if I have, if I've got an iPad, I've got no desire to turn it into a laptop. Why on earth would I want to do that? It seems, you know, totally counterintuitive to me. Um, yes, likewise. There we are. Right. Um, shall we get a fresh cup of tea, and then I think perhaps oh, we can dis- then we can discuss ARM for Macintosh, and uh, then maybe we'll wrap it up with a couple of short stories and uh, call it a day. Sounds right. good. All right. There's no John Nemo uh, again this week. I think he's off cycling or something, uh, doing something exciting. Um, so uh, after this short interlude, we'll be back again. And we're back again with our beverages refreshed. Um, so over the last week or so, um, there has been a slew, a slew of um speculative uh pieces about uh Apple moving the Mac to ARM, um, you know, self-designed processors. Um, now this has come up, you know, time and time again. Well, probably pretty much since Apple. Um, started doing their own A-series processors. Um, certainly, I should think, since they launched the iPad Pro, um, or, or the A, what was it, the Bionic 11 Bionic, was it? I can't remember now. Which, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Um, you know, because their ARM processors are quite obviously, you know, very powerful and drain very little power. Um, but Ming-Chi Kuo of Rumours fame... Um, you know, wrote a piece saying that uh, he expected to see an ARM Macintosh uh, late, I think, late 2020 or early 2021. Um, 
which of course I no doubt has fueled a lot of this, but I just feel that this constant rumbling might indicate that there is you know more off the record uh, stuff bubbling away for those who are in the know, um, which is causing this stuff to keep coming to the surface. Um, what what do you think, Nick? I'm not. Uh, this is one of those things a little bit like yourself, I think, where I've vacillated from one side to the other. I, I'm just not sure that I don't understand enough about ARM architecture to know whether it's possible for them to make a desktop processor from an ARM core. Um, um, I know they're very powerful. I know they're very powerful mobile devices, so it's possible that they could. I, I just think, don't know particularly how how easy that is. I think one thing a lot of the and I I have swung backwards and forwards from yeah it it, it seems you know almost a no brainer to oh I can see it being a bag of hurt and back again. Um, yeah, because there's been a lot of chat as well. Well, not a lot of chat, but I have seen chat of late about um, the uh, AMD Tizen. Uh, chips as well and whether apple might use those instead of uh, intel yeah well i mean that that came up I, I mentioned it last week there's a lot of um yeah a lot of there's been some speculation that apple might consider using the ryzen and Threadripper. um i i don't know it, it it's kind of with this this week's speculation one one thing that a lot of the naysayers seem to forget is that the ARM heritage started with the Acorn Risk Machine desktop computers. That is indeed, yeah. That is the root, you know, the very root of ARM. Um, so, you know, can you build? Um, obviously, you know, the 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 processors, the original Acorn Risk Machine processors, were not the the Apple, you know, ultra mobile processors of today, but looking at the things that, um, the kind of things that an iPad Pro is capable of handling, you know, video and um, all those kind of fairly high end things, three D modeling. Oh yeah. Um, well, even some of the, even some of the what what could be seen as, there are things that my phone can do now that. When I first found out that it could be done, I was completely gobsmacked by it because you would have needed a really powerful computer to do some of them. Uh, one, one in particular, there's a, a piece of um, uh, an app called Music Scanner, Music Scanner, I think, or something like that. Is that your um, is that your software that you can? Um, like yeah, that takes PDFs and turns them into music. Yeah, I mean this is this is the stuff of dreams of years ago. <laughs> It is indeed. And, the, it, um, and it runs on a tiny phone. I mean, yeah. I quite mean, incredible. It, you know, who would have thought a few years ago that you could, uh, you know, sensibly edit video on an iPad or, um, you know, like uh, Ferris, yes. that yes, you could yes, easily... Yes, because people would say they're consumption devices. You can't possibly do that. You know, that you yeah. can easily um, edit multi-track audio on, a, on an iPad or even a phone. With your finger, for heaven's sake, um, it's a bit fiddly, you know. But I suppose. You can do it. I suppose the only question I'd have would be, why would they do it? And is it simply the, the Apple thing of getting everything in house? Is that is that their main driver? I could to see. I could see two. Go arm wise. I could see two main reasons to do it. 
One, Apple like to control the whole thing. Um, you know, Apple already making their own processors for the iPads and obviously for the phones. Some of those chips are incredibly powerful. They also contain, you know, uh, things like this. you've got the secure enclave, you've got things like neural engines, you've got things like, um, you know, onboard graphic processing. Um, that is something I think Apple would like, you know, not to be beholden to Intel. Um, and they're not always met promises of, um, you know, what's in the pipeline. Um, that that is one thing. The other thing I could see is um, obviously more um, integration and compatibility between um, the Mac OS and iOS. Uh, not emerging. I, I still don't believe in that. But I could see um, a lot more interoperability being introduced that way. Um, and the other one is simply power consumption. I mean, these these chips use tiny amounts of power. As we just said, you know, you can get... Yes, yes for phone. that would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, some of the speculation, um, of course, is would Apple, you know, why would Apple do that when they've just released a huge, you know, obviously Intel-based Mac Pro? But I am very much personally of the opinion that the Mac Pro would probably not change to um, ARM processors. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, and even if, you know, because it's so modular um, and highly configurable, if if uh, ARM became a thing, you know, in the Mac world, you could probably stick a blade into a, um, you know, into a Mac Pro. So you could have an ARM sort of motherboard and, a, you know, and the, all the rest. Um, oh, you know, yeah, You probably. can stick in all sorts of things, don't you? Afterburner cards and specialised graphics rendering engines and so i think the mac pro and the mac pro has only just been launched so even if they were talking about a long-term transition the mac pro would probably be 10 years before they needed to worry about that um some people have postulated that maybe just the macbook air would go um arm to start and you could test the waters that way um because people would then be able to choose between a macbook air which is arm or a macbook pro which was still intel or whatever x86 at least um it's all it's all an interesting area for debate i mean i would, would it create would it create more work for developers do we think if they had to support arm cpus and intel cpus or is it just in the compiling I, I don't know enough about this kind of area no, to know I, for sure. I don't know how how complicated that would be, or if if Apple would have to write some kind of you know intermediary Rosetta like um, emulation layer. But they've done it before, mm. twice. That's true. They have. Yeah. If anybody, you know, if anybody's got experience of how to transition from one set of processes to another, is Apple. Um, the, what what I'd like, what none of these articles actually say or at least the, the, i've looked at a couple of them none of them actually say so we know that apple are planning five ten years in advance so in their roadmap i, I can understand the um wanting to take control that's that's in apple's dna but in their roadmap how is it going to benefit them in five years to have um an arm cpu yeah arm architect arm architecture instead of Intel architecture. And is it just about um, control? I, um, 
yeah, I'd be interested if if people would, if some of these articles could address that kind of question. Really, well, of is course, what, what the, yeah, what in I, the roadmap is is actually driving this need for change? That this need for change. Well, of course, as you know, this is all speculation, and it all appears to be posited on Ming Chi Kuo. Um, I mean, I've got three links here. I've got moving the Mac to ARM from iMore. Uh, which seems to be fairly, you know, in favour of it and makes some um, fairly uh, salient points. Um, but then, you know, trusted reviews uh, have written a kind of counterpoint, which is, do we need an ARM MacBook in an iPad Pro world? Um, so those are kind of two um, not quite opposing views, but um, they make an interesting pair of articles to read. Like you say, what is the long-term goal? Ta- taking control of the of the structure, um, I can see that appeals to Apple a lot. Uh, reduced power consumption, I can see that appealing massively. Um, yeah. As for how much work for developers, I don't know. But I mean, Apple have already started talking about, um, you know, Catalyst and, um, you know, unified apps. So if you buy an app, uh, you know, on Mac OS, if if um, the developer has um, you know cited it as a as a as a unified um, app, you can automatically download the iPad or iPhone version. Um, is it simply that Apple feel they could unify their whole ecosphere more um, more easily and more could tightly? Be. Um, I mean, I can understand having having all your devices running on the same platform would be an advantage in development time and all that sort of stuff. So I, can, I suppose I can see the logic there. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's all you know. It's all definitely maybe. You know, none of it. None of it at this point um, has enough solid information behind it. Um, to make no, and let's face it, if Apple were going to do it, they'd want to say, surprise! <laughs> yeah, oh, of course they would. You know, surprise. Um, I, I think um, moving the Mac to ARM on iMore, I think he starts his article, if I think if I remember in the right one, where he says, you know, I could imagine almost a replay of Steve's um, PowerPC to IBM. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, keynote piece. Yes, saying, I remember that one, and there yeah. was the sort of sharp intakes of breath. You know, <laughs> and well, of course, you know, where he's saying, "Oh, and of course, we've been, you know, running um, the Mac OS on x86 in our labs for years." Oh, and by the way, the ones we're using on the stage, you know, are all x86. On them. <laughs> um, yeah, and and that was the big reveal, and yeah, you could kind of see that whether. Apple would want to progress the whole line as quickly as that? I don't know. I I do kind of like the suggestion that maybe they would move either, you know, only the MacBook Airs or perhaps the laptops. I could see it being the MacBook Air first as a test bed where... Um... Do you know, there was a time, time not that long ago that I would have said Apple won't move away from Intel because they get a lot of custom coming from... PC users who want the safety blanket of of uh, of uh, Microsoft and Intel's stuff, so they can use it. Uh, but that that doesn't exist anymore, does it? I mean, uh, I can't remember when I last used a PC myself personally, um, because all the software I now got works on the Mac. Well, there's that. There's that. Um, that that has declined. Um, you can always run a virtual machine. Um, yes. Yeah. And virtual um, machines are reasonably powerful these days. 
Yeah. Now, obviously, if you were running it on an ARM, you would you would be running um, an emulation, not a um, not a virtual machine in the way that you run them now, because they have direct access to x86. You know. Right. So terms. yeah. So it would. Uh, so you would yeah. be going back to the kind of soft PC uh, days. But that said. Microsoft are, you know, making it quite clear that they have been heavily investing in doing Windows for ARM. Okay. So, in which case, there'd be no no real excuse. For the... No. Um, if that if that's the way Apple want to go, there is there seems to be less and less reason why seems, they can't. There seems to be less and less, you know, roadblocks. Um, I, hmm. it's still a hard one to call. I've wavered backwards and forwards, but I, I'm beginning to feel. That the undercurrent, and it comes from somewhere. This just, you know, this is not just made up by bloggers on the on the fly. This this stuff filters out from people like Ming Chi Kuo and and others um, who have contacts deep in the supply chain and uh, and so on. And um, I just feel the the frequency and the um, depth of some of these rumours. I'm not saying, you know, we're, I mean, he's saying late 2020, early 2021 or whatever. Again, I often feel that those are, seem wildly optimistic, if you like, but we've been caught out before by these things. Yeah, so. it depends. It depends on how long they've been working on it and whether they're, yeah, yeah, whether I mean, they're close to they could, making you know, something I'm, work. I'm pretty sure that they've had, you know, Mac OS running on ARM for years. Um, it's yes, not I'm about... sure that's true. That's not quite the same as uh, as, no, as committing yourself to it. No, it? it's it's one thing to have you know machines running on all sorts of architectures. Um, you know, AMD, whatever. I mean, um, to moving your customer base that way. But mm. I, the other thing that kind of is pushing me gradually to say yes is we know that the iPhone is the biggest percentage of Apple sales. The iPad and I think the Mac are now kind of even Stevens, give or take. Um, yeah. A large, a very large percentage of the Mac sales are probably to con- mostly to consumers. So I, I could almost imagine, although this doesn't seem a very Apple thing to do, but they're being, although they wouldn't call it such, you know, uh, Mac OS and like Mac OS Pro. So that the very high-end machines stay on probably Xeon or, or you know, maybe Ryzen Threadrippers or whatever. But the the main body of their Macs are running on AMD. Because uh, I, I don't think Apple would have too much trouble managing that. Uh, I, I really don't. Yeah. Um, on, on, on ARM, you mean? Yeah. Rather than AMD. Yeah, sorry. ARM, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the 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 pro end maybe the i yeah I don't know I don't know how I don't know how complex that that be to to be able to do that um, but because I'm not an expert no <laughs> as no, you may have and, gathered and, and and nor am I and nor am I but no. also it's interesting speculation it definitely is. interesting speculation it is indeed rampant uh, and speculation would, <laughs> and it would be um, it would be an exciting time to to move across to something completely new like that. It would be very interesting indeed, and um, it would. It like so many things, you know. It would be nice to know more, to have more in-depth information about what's going on. But um, Apple are not going to do that. They're not going to let their put. They're not going to lay their 
cards on the table, are they? They're just of course not. not. No. Um, no. But watch this space. Watch this. Maybe space. this year. Maybe next year. Who knows? Who knows? It would be. It would be intriguing. That's for sure. Um, and as I say, you know, Microsoft are certainly, uh, you know, investigating that avenue with um, ARM, you know, Windows for ARM with their Surface line, with their some of their ultra mobile PCs. Um, you know, yeah, because we we've got no re- we've got no real breakdown, have we, of how many iMacs or Mac Pros that Apple sell? None. None at all. Um, could, there could be a pretty small number. It could be that they're nearly all, all um, portable um, desktops or whatever. Yeah. In which case, in which case, you're right. I mean, the the ARM way would make sense because, as you've pointed out two or three times, it's, it's power power consumption. And um, no, for many years, I can, I can see it's, a, it's an appealing. Uh, it's an appealing idea because it it does it does sort of fit with a lot of what we know about yeah Apple and yeah. what they've been doing for the last ten years and you know so. it, it may be that it is no more than you know in some ways a, a fascinating pipe dream and people who know you know much much more about chips and and compiling and and all the you know yeah. bare metal stuff are sniggering yeah. going there. That's you right. know. Sadly shaking their heads. Oh, yeah, or <laughs> laughing up their sleeves, going, what idiots these people are. They haven't got a yeah. bloody clue. Um, Poor but, deluded fools, yes. Yeah, but <laughs> that said, nobody, you know, nobody from that world appears to have come forward at any point and written a rebuttal, you know. No, to, you no know, that's interesting. You know, nobody's written to The Verge and said, listen, I work on, you know, chip architecture construction or um, low-level, um, you know, machine kind of code, whatever the equivalent thereof is now, you know, the bare metal aspects, yeah. and said, this you're, is all, never going to happen. you're all barking up the wrong tree. No, 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 nobody that I know of has come forward and written a scientific paper saying that's just not going to happen because. So, um, of course, the other thing is, processors as processors become ever more powerful it must become easier and easier to get them to do all sorts of things by emulation or whatever at speeds which to the average user are no longer perceptible um not like the days the more more this speculation comes around the more i wish that i'd actually had some money back in the day when when acorn wrist machines were being floated on the stock exchange (laughs) (laughs) and i could have bought i was off actually offered some shares but i hadn't got any money so there's no (laughs) point trying to buy any (laughs) i remember back in the dark days before steve returned there used to be um ads sometimes in the mac user magazine saying uh, buy one apple share um oh right yeah and, and the idea it was more of a novelty than anything else you know like buy an app one apple share for you know the mac lover in your life um <laughs> and i That's can't remember how much they were but you know whatever amount of money they were they weren't cheap but no yeah if i'd bought one of those back then and hung on to it through you know the darkest of times um it would be worth a lot of money now because they've split and redoubled and whatever and then they did a 7 to 1 split and whatnot i'd probably own quite a lot by now and even if i didn't they'd be they worth used to 300 be, um, each you know uh, acorn used to have uh, like an acorn user group um i can't remember what they were called now um if anyone out there remembers them and can remember what it was called, 
um, uh, please let us know. Yeah. Um, but but at, at the point in which they decided to split Acorn and Arm, um, I think they offered some shares. They, they weren't free. You had to buy them. Um, but but there were some shit. They did make. I have a feeling they made some shares available at that point. Um, of course, I was a lot younger then and hardly earning anything. So <laughs> I thought, oh yeah, yeah. There's no way I'm doing that. <laughs> as uh, as a friend of mine once said, too busy making a living to get rich. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There we are. So there you go. More rampant speculation about ARM. Um, we've been going quite a long time, Nick. So I think we're going to just skim over a couple more stories uh, and wrap it up. Um, right, you are. All the all the notes. Uh, you know, all the stuff is in the show notes. So uh, anybody who's listening who wants to find out a bit more, follow the links. Um, Citroen have announced a new EV, which is a tiny two seater, which you can rent for twenty two dollars a month. Um, and, uh, this thing, yep. Um, you apparently do not need a license to drive it. Um, and it is going to be called the Citroen Ami. Um, it's a tiny car slash enclosed scooter. Um, it's a two seater. Uh, it doesn't require a license. That's that's how they get around the license then. Yeah. It's 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 not, it's not clusters of a car. No, it's probably like, um, it, it probably gets around the rules in the same way as, um, the reliant three wheelers uh you don't have to have a yeah. car license to drive they're classed as a tricycle so a motorcycle license will do um anyway uh, apparently uh if you are 14 years old in france or 16 in other european countries you would be able to have one um it has a 5.5 kilowatt battery um and it can run for 44 miles on a charge uh charges from a standard 220 volt outlet i.e uh, you know, standard mains, um, and takes three hours to charge the battery. It only goes 28 miles per hour, apparently. Um, and it says here, uh, you can't replicate the Fast and Furious with it, but it doesn't, and it doesn't have a lot of range, but it was designed for city driving and narrow streets. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, it's, it's a little bit like a smart smart car, isn't it? It's it's, a bit it like Mercedes Smart. It looks... Um, the picture of it here, it vaguely reminds me of the um, Isetta bubble car. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see that, yeah. Or a very shrunken Fiat 500, perhaps. Um, apparently, if you're interested, you can pay 20 euros per month for a long-term rental of two years from a, with an initial payment of uh, 2,644 euros. You can buy one for 6,000 euros. Um, and if you want to try it before you buy it, you will be able to rent one for uh, 26 euro cents per minute. I bet that adds up quickly. <laughs> mm. uh, apparently, they will begin accepting orders on March the 30th in France, followed by Spain, Italy, Belgium, Portugal and Germany. Um, it's a first... cool little idea. I can, see it work... I can see it working as a rental vehicle within certain cities. Well, I guess in the way of like um, lime scooters and whatnot, if you go to a place and wave your Apple Pay at it and just drive it, yeah. and you just need to get across the city, um, something. Um, and as you say, for for people who um, perhaps don't do much travel, they literally do only travel within a city or or even within their locality. I mean, let's face it, there are a lot of older people who don't do lots of travelling. Exactly. Um, um, 44 miles might be plenty per day. Yeah. 
um, you know, Donnie in the slap room said, oh, you know, the idea of being in one of those and hit by another vehicle was terrifying. But um, if you've ever been to a European city uh, like Paris or, you know, or, or Rome or, or Naples or whatever, um, you will see European teenagers careening around the city on these tiny little mopeds, um, often with the handlebars uh, turned inwards to reduce the gauge of the vehicle. <laughs> right, yes. So, yeah, and so that they can drive between cars and all sorts of, you know, and that is, can, appears absolutely terrifying. Um, Not only that, traffic within our cities, I mean, let's face it, they rarely get above, above about 20 miles an hour anyway. Precisely. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, this is blatantly not aimed as a an electric car for the masses. This is aimed at perhaps... You know, I mean, obviously, if you can have one from the age of 14 or 16 in the rest of Europe, they're aiming this at moped riders. Yeah, young just people. to get you around locally. Yeah. You know, just young people. Interesting. And the idea that you could have one without a driving license. And I could imagine somebody like my daughter being absolutely um, enamoured of this idea. No need to get a driving license. I know the UK is probably not going to get them, but that's another matter. Um, yeah. You know, oh, dr- oh, one of the... Oh. Here's a limitation I hadn't noticed that you can only drive it up to 28 miles per hour. Yeah, it's only 28 miles now. But then again, I mean, in this country, uh, 50cc mopeds are limited to 30 miles an hour. Oh, okay. So, so that's the, that, yeah, you're right. That's where they're aiming this, aren't they? In, in the European market, uh, 50cc motorcycles are all limited effectively to about 30 miles an hour. Sometimes you can squeeze 32 to 35 out of them on a downhill run with the wind behind you. But, um, <laughs> you know, they're designed. Yeah, oh, interesting. They're very much designed for the, you know, the scooter buying young person. Um, uh, the, the proverbial little runabout. Yeah, very much so. Um, so I'd be interested to keep my eye on that, see how that goes. Um, skimming onwards, another, um, you know, another uh, shocking to me how long has gone past. Adobe has marked 30 years of Photoshop with new iPad and Mac features. Uh, link there to 9 to 5 Mac. Um, the Affinity Suite from Serif uh, updated to version 1.8 uh, this week. With a host of new features, including, um, for those who care about such things, the IDML support, which uh, is a big thing for people who are heavy users of um, InDesign, because if you were planning to switch over previously, you would have to uh, consider what you're going to do with your legacy documents. Now, um, if you were planning to do such a thing, you could export them all to IDML, uh, and now Affinity Publisher will import them. Uh, how accurately? Oh, cool. How accurately? I cannot say, but it would mean you probably don't have to recreate everything from scratch. Um, it was then promptly uh, followed by a 1.8.1 uh, release. I think the day after, because they found some bugs. <laughs> well, I did, as you as you do. However, yeah. they were they were you know literally the the, <laughs> the bug fix was out the following day. There we go. Um, Security and privacy. Apparently, a flaw in billions of Wi-Fi devices left communications open to eavesdropping. Um, this affects Broadcom and Cypress uh, chipsets. That's a big problem because everybody uses Broadcom chipsets. Um, yeah. So if you're in, interested in that sort of thing, uh, follow the link to Ars Technica. <clears throat> um, Apple have pulled the controversial Clearview AI uh, phone app, which is a facial recognition um, application, 
apparently they were uh you know using the side loading uh test flight uh, method of allowing uh purchasers to uh install it verboten uh-uh. so apple have pulled it uh, it's controversial for a whole bunch of other reasons which um i won't go into right now um if we'd not spent so long on other things we could talk about it but uh go read about it if you care um top tip Write notes from your iPhone or iPad, I guess, lock screen with a hidden feature. Um, Basically, if you go into uh, settings, uh, you can add notes to the control pane of your uh, iOS device. And then you go into the notes setting and allow it to be accessed from the lock screen and you will be able to simply swipe down the control panel on a locked device tap notes and uh, enter a new note there oh, you that's go. quite cool uh, yeah link there to iDrop with that handy hint um mac jim sends a link to vimeo create which is a video maker for ios uh, link to the App Store, um, and for what it's worth, and another um, anniversary, the word robot was coined 100 years ago in a play predicting the human extinction at Android hands, um, and for those who don't know, that's uh, R-U-R, or Rossum's Universal Robots, which was written by Carl Capek. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, might be Chapek, because it's um, Eastern European. Anyway, yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, there you go. I'm familiar with this play because I had a book about robots when I was young, stuff, which uh, explained where it came from. Um, TechCrunch has the story, and <clears throat> if you want a link to the Project Gutenberg ebook of the stage play, complete with um, lighting instructions and uh, stage direction and so on, I have a link to that as well. And uh, I think we'll wrap it up there because we've been going quite a long time, Nick. Yeah, I wonder what we found to talk about. I have no idea. <laughs> Rampant speculation, all of it, end to end. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, uh, what, what, what bits do I have to do now? I have to say, uh, don't forget the Amazon affiliate link. You know how it works. Go to the website, press the big red button, buy your stuff. We get a few pennies kickback. Uh, doesn't cost you anything. Amazon just pay us for sending you there. Um, you can join the Slack group, of course, where lots of uh, chatter goes on. If you follow the link in the show notes, uh, don't forget Mac Jim has his uh, essential Apple Flickr group for those of you who uh, enjoy photography. Again, link in the show notes. Thank you to everybody who supports us. Uh, you know by. Uh, by Patreon, by uh, the Pinecast Tips Jar, by telling people, by retweeting our stuff, uh, you know, badgering their mates to listen to it, all the rest. And uh, with that, I think that's probably all. You can find all our stuff over at EssentialApple.com. You can find me on the uh, Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Um, you can find Nick occasionally as at Spligosh. Uh, very occasionally, and uh, Nick is, of course, sometimes on Bart's Let's Talk Apple show, and uh, recorded, I believe, last night. So that will be out shortly. Yeah, I was on with uh, I was on with Linda Linda Gouche. Excellent. Gouche. Yeah, I think that's Excellent. how you say it. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so no doubt. Bart will release that uh, very shortly. I'll be looking forward to that. 
And uh, with that, I think I'll say we should be back next week. And uh, I have secured the uh, services of Andreas uh, Gailunas from Pixelmator for the 15th. So uh, look forward to oh, that really as good. well. Um, and with that, I think we'll say goodbye, shall we, Nick? Why not? Indeed. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh... Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcasts, and take a listen. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you next time.